Throughout my adult life, my focus has been on making the world a more beautiful place. Initially, I pursued this goal as a hairstylist, working on the external appearance of individuals to make them feel more beautiful. However, I wanted more, so I began to shift my focus to helping people make better choices and achieve greater beauty from within. As a transformational life coach, I specialize in helping you identify and change the limiting beliefs that may be holding you back. Join me each week as we discuss, interview, teach, and explore the fundamental principles of healthy relationships. Welcome to Conscious Conversations with Louisa. In today's episode of Conscious Conversations with Louisa, I'm speaking with Joe Graham today, who is a coach and a podcaster and a sales, how would I put that, Joe? Sales expert? Sure. Sure. (laughs) So the reason I asked you to be on, and I was thinking about this, is what I love about podcasts is all the questions that I have. I thought, wouldn't it be genius if I got to ask them and create a podcast because other people want to know the answers to these also. So sales is a really big thing. It is one of those subjects that's uncomfortable. It could be uncomfortable Mm -hmm. to talk about. And for most it is. So one of the reasons I picked you is because you actually do it quite effortlessly and you're very comfortable in the arena. I want to hear your story, how, how it started for you and how did you get comfortable in sales? I failed. (laughs) I failed a bunch. Um, I actually, I fell into sales. So like we were talking before we started recording, um, I grew up in the Midwest. I was working for a factory, uh, going to college, fell in love, got married to my sweetheart. And I thought I was going to become a manager because that's kind of what you do in that, that environment. And they downsized and I had two young kids like, Hey, you need to go get a job because you're not going to have one soon. I'm like, okay, crap. Well, where I lived in Michigan, there was no jobs. I literally had to go find the only job I could find was a sales job, hundred percent commission doing door to door sales for home Depot, like going selling windows, roofing, siding. So I like literally fell into sales. Like I didn't want to be a salesperson. I didn't even think anything about it. Um, I'm like, okay, cool. I'm going to take this job for a little bit. Till I can go get a management thing. But then my first ever deal, I walked in, freaked out. This is, I'm going to date myself because I'm 46. I'm doing a flip chart for gutters. You don't need to do a flip chart for gutters if someone's selling you gutters. You just don't. Like, they're just, it's like you measure it, you do gutters. It's no big deal. I'm so green. I'm doing the flip chart. My manager's there. I'm freaking out, like losing my mind. And I looked at my manager, go, I can't do this. And the guy, I can't do this. The guy goes, Joe, I like Home Depot. I'm going to just buy it anyway. And I was like, at that moment, I realized it was not about me, had nothing to do with me. And once I got that, it made it easier because then I didn't have the pressure of, do they like me? Do Am I going to say it right? Whatever. It didn't matter. As long as I brought them value, as long as I helped them out and solved the problem and reframed that in my mind, then it was game on. Now, I wish I could tell you at that point that I was like the best salesman ever. I wasn't. I was doing okay back and forth with some people for seven, eight years, moved down to Texas and got into doing phone sales. Totally different environment, and I sucked again. Well, at this point, I finally realized that I should do something. 
I should actually level up and learn. So I started listening to YouTube videos. There weren't podcasts. It wasn't that big at that time. So I'd listen to like your Grant Cardone, your Jordan Belfort's, your Frank Kearns, your salespeople. And they had all these gimmicks and tricks and stuff. I'm like, I can kind of do them, but it didn't feel right. And I was selling for an oil and gas company investments to people. And I found out that they couldn't sell to the wells. Like the wells weren't doing what they're supposed to. So I literally had to leave that job. And I got to the point where I'm just going to help people. And I've ended up getting into the day job I have now and ended up just trying to help people. And I won President's Circle Award for a multi-billion dollar company four years in a row, about to win it for a fifth year. And people just started asking me to help them with sales. I know that's a really big, long story to bring it back, but it was 18 years of trial and error, getting in the right rooms to the right people, learning, leveling up, listening to people. And then just instead of trying to sell them, I just tried to help them. I went and started doing the Ziegler method. Instead of it being, Luis, I'm going to sell you now, it's just I'm going to bring you to the point of you had to make a decision between value and cost. I'm going to close all the other doors of doubts and move forward and just present you with a solution that works for you. And if it doesn't, I'm going to refer you to someone else. And that just began to build and grow. And then, like I said, I started having people ask me to do sales coaching. Then I started helping businesses do this stuff. And I guess it's natural for me now because I'm indifferent to it. Like, I'm not worried if you're going to buy from me because the people that need to buy from me, like you talked about energy on your uh, live earlier today, the people that are going to buy from me are going to be drawn to me. The people that aren't, aren't for me, and I'm going to refer them to someone else. I know I give you like a bunch of words there, but to kind of go from point A to point B, I failed a bunch. I leveled up. I got around people that could help me. When I started a new role, I found the best person. I talked to them. I found out what they did and then put my spin on it. I absolutely love it. And I love the way you share it because it really is about giving. But sometimes when you feel like you're giving, you're giving too much. And sometimes yep. I find myself maybe sharing in such a way that if someone was about to buy it, I share so much that they're like, I'm a little overwhelmed. Have you ever come across like overwhelming somebody? With too yeah. much information. Every salesperson, when they start out, do, they do that because you're so excited about what you're doing. You're talking about your business, your programs, what you can do, how I can help you, what I can do for you. And in reality, they want to know that they can trust you. They want to know that you're here, them, that they are seen, that they you understand their problem. And the best way to do that is if you're in a sales conversation, here's a simple rule of thumb. They should talk twice as much as you do. If they're talking twice as much as you are, you win because now they're talking to you about life. So think about this way. If you go out on a date and your date is just talking about them and saying, I went here and I did this here, I did that there. You're trying to get out because you don't care. But if their date's like, hey, what did you do? What, what are you interested in? And it's like that conversation and they're asking questions to get you to open up about your dreams, your desire. That's what sales is. You're just getting them to open up about their problems, their pain points so that you can help move them to a decision. And if you're the right fit for them, great. And if you're not, when you tell them you're not the right fit and you refer them away, that is magic. Because guess what? When they find someone that needs you, now they're going to tell them about you because you didn't try to take them. You didn't try to sell them. You didn't try to gimmick them. And that's what will separate you, especially in this economy. Mm, that so hit home. I love when things are shared like in a story with the date totally resonated with me. And mm -hmm. I like that a lot. Um, personality traits. Do you tap into people's personality traits to how you share with them? 
Yes. So there's so many different types of people you deal with. To give you an idea, I saw to a lot of CEOs and CFOs. They are very data-driven people. They're very short with time. They just want to know the facts. So when I'm talking to them, I present a way that works for them. But I also work with like IT guys and people that build networks and stuff like that a lot. Well, now they're the data-driven, analyticals, that aspect of it. Then I deal with middle managers that are more worried about how it's going to affect their team. So when you're dealing with bigger companies and bigger things that are like that, you have to understand first, who are you talking to? What is their pain point? And guess what? Their pain point is probably not the same pain point as other people that are influencing the deal. So if you're doing like a bigger business or a multiple groups, you find out what their pain points are. You address their needs in a style that works for them. I'll take it even a little bit farther. If I'm talking to someone from the Northeast, I'm talking faster. I'm getting a little bit more intense and I'm really directing to the point. Where if I'm talking to someone from the South, like say Texas where I live and say it's a lady, I'm asking her, would this work for you? And I'm slowing down because you have to match their pace, the rhythm, what works for them because sales is never about you. But I do want to go back and touch on that give too much. You can give too much, but you have to learn that. And I think a lot of times, especially heart center entrepreneurs have this issue. We want to give, 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 help, help, help without charging. But for them to be able to receive the value that you give, they need to be able to pay you back or give something back because that exchange of energy is key. Because when I was coaching people for free, they weren't getting results because they weren't putting the effort in. Once I started charging and there was that exchange of energy, all of a sudden I started seeing them level up and get better because my gift and the value that I brought shortened time for them. And I think we just get in our head, well, this isn't as big of a deal. But my wife helped me. She goes, sales is simple for you because you've been doing it. It's not simple for them. What you think is just a simple, little, easy principle doesn't always be a simple, easy principle for someone that's not done it. So don't undervalue yourself. And if you're worried about charging too much or overpriced, you're good. Because guess what? Imposters don't have imposter syndrome. So you're not taking advantage of anyone. You know what I love about what you shared is the insight between give, give, give. But you, people like me hear that and think giving and taking are weird, right? Because you want to give. And then if you're like receiving money for it, there's, a, there's an aspect of like, well, how does it count as giving if I'm getting paid for it? And so there has to be uh, where the other person gets to give back because then it becomes a mutual um space to grow together with and as soon as i saw that it shifted even how i showed up as powerfully as i could in business it really did i gave so much more in such in a way more powerful way when i started to charge for my work and not just a little bit like i actually started to charge my work mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember us talking about that because you were talking about your course and I'm like, you're charging too little. And you're like, no, I'm not. I'm like, try. And I, she did. I said, just try to raise it to a certain amount. And she did. She goes, I'm getting more response. And it was like, guess why? People like nice things, perceived value. Like to give you an idea, I was in Hawaii. I don't know if you can see this ring. I bought this ring. It was like 300 bucks. I really liked it because the wooden stuff was, was like jumped out at me. But here's the crazy thing. If this ring was like 20 bucks, I probably wouldn't have wanted it because it had no value or rarity to it. The woman sold me on the fact that you can't get the wood that's in this ring until it falls off the tree. It's a rule in Hawaii. There's a certain type of wood. You can't cut it down. 
And so it just made it more valuable. So when you bring something to someone and they see a perceived value with it, all of a sudden now they want it. Why do you think people wear Rolexes? Why do people do the nice cars or go on trips or whatever it is? Because there's that perceived value they get with it. And then when you're sharing knowledge or coaching people, it's the same thing. You've gone through 18 years of sales. I know a lot of you have been in business for a long time. You've had to learn all the stuff that you've learned. So giving them that time and shrinking time for them or giving them insight into how to craft an offer or a deal or an idea is huge because guess what? You just saved them 15 to 20 years. So you charging them 1,000, 5,000, 10,000, 20,000, whatever your coaching price is, it's okay because you're not taking from them. If I save you five years in time, what price tag can you put onto that? If I get you to not run into the traps and the falls and the mess ups that I did, and you can move farther, faster, quicker, that's a game changer. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it really is like, I, I remember, because I have a lot of fancy clients and, and and they go to fancy places. And one of the ladies at this place ran after my client and was like, oh my God, who does your hair? Because it was then, you know, she's dating a billionaire during some gorgeous location. And she says, oh, my friend Louisa in, in the Valley. So this woman calls me and asks me my prices. And she's name dropping at all the salons she's been to and heard my price, which I think is reasonable, but she was horrified at how low it was yep. and chose not to come to me mm -hmm. because she was so disturbed with the fact that I must not be as good because I wasn't a zillion dollars. Yeah. yeah. And it's happened more than once. Raise your rates for those clients. Sales is a made up number. Like I, I always joke about this, but like I use an iPhone and you'll see me, I use analogies. I, I paid a grand for the iPhone because I like the iPhone. My wife hates iPhones. I got her an iPhone for three days. I literally went and paid to get her the Samsung back because she likes the Samsung better. Happy wife, happy life. It, it It's all on perceived value. We make up numbers for what we're wanting to sell. I have a Yeti cup here, or I'm sorry, this is an ice shaker. It's like a $50, $60 cup because I like the cup. But there's other things that people will spend a lot of money on that I don't care about. Like, I don't care about fancy cars. Could I go out and buy a fancy car? Yeah, but I don't, like, it doesn't do anything for me. But I got really good friends that drive Lambos or drive super fancy cars, and that's great for them if that's what they want. It's just perceived value and then meeting their need. So what I would do on that situation is, okay, cool. I know where she's coming from. She's name dropping. So she's telling me she wants something exquisite. Okay, I normally charge, I don't know what you charge, I'm gonna make up numbers. I normally charge $150 or 200 to do hair. I'm gonna charge her 800 bucks and see if she buys. But she would feel that's more valuable because now she's getting something precious. Now she's getting something excited. And you're not taking advantage because here's the thing. It's her perceived value because she wouldn't buy from you because it was too low for her. Now we're not talking about like someone on the street that can't afford something. I'm very much about helping people. I don't ever wanna take advantage of people. I give away stuff for free. So don't take that wrong. But it's just knowing your audience. Well, like, here's the thing. A lot of Asians that I, I, I interact with, it's in their culture to negotiate. If I'm working with someone from India, I will raise the rate on purpose. I try to sell at the exact price I normally would sell at, and they won't buy. They feel like I'm, like, mad or not helping them. I literally, when I was selling windows, would raise it by, like, 500 bucks, take it off and sell them at the price we would have sold them to begin with. But because of how their culture was, that's what I did. It's again, knowing your audience, 
What is it that they're expecting? What are they wanting to do from it? Then there's other people you just go, hey, look, I'm just giving you straightforward the price right here is what it is. I'm treating you like a business owner. This is what the price is. I don't do the sales gimmicks. I like to be sold this way. It's just finding that out. Perfect. So social media, advertising, specific ways that other people do their marketing. What is your tactic on, is there a, a method or how do you address marketing? Um, be you. You're going to draw the right people for you. Be consistent. Show up on every platform you can show up on and do it daily. I, that, that's, that's been my marketing technique forever. Only because that way I don't have to pretend I'm someone I'm not. That way I don't have to think about something I'm not. That way I don't have to look pretty if I'm not or dress up or whatever. I'll talk to you ladies. Ladies, you don't always have to have the perfect makeup and everything set up right because you're just going to draw the people that you need to help anyway. I think too many times people get so caught up in, I have to have this persona, but oh, I, here, I, I sell in stories. You're going to hear a bunch of stories tonight. I just joined a networking group in the area, right? And I was talking to the girl that was signing me up for it. She's like, yeah, there's some older people there that if you don't dress up to go to this and network, they might give you a little bit of a whatever. And I'm sitting there going, if they hire me, how you see me right now is how I'm going to show up on the call. So when I meet them, I need to be dressed how I'm going to show up because that's just the ethical thing to do. So I went to this event and there's probably about 40, 50 people in there. And most of them are dressed up, kind of nice. And I'm in, I'm not joking. I'm in this hat. I'm wearing a Hawaiian t-shirt, like a t-shirt from Hawaii in jeans, just walking around talking to normal people in this networking group. And at first I had a little bit of pushback. And then all of a sudden I just, you know, stepped into my genius and just started being me and started making connection after connections and they warmed up. But people's perception can be changed when you're authentic and you don't have to worry about who or what you are. Our good friend Kelly does... I mean, he wears nice things. Don't get that wrong, but he's going to have his style. Greg Reed has his style. The people that we see on a consistent basis, they have their style. My buddy, George Bryant, will go to the Clippers and people that he's done marketing for in a hooded sweatshirt and shorts because they want his value, what he brings. It's not always that outer package. Now, I'm not saying don't not to be, how to put this? I'm not saying to be rude or jerkish or do be offensive, but- I'm 100% about relationships, speech, algorithms, and authenticity wins the day. Because if you're going to deal with me, you're going to want to deal with me and know how I'm going to show up. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so when somebody, like we were talking about earlier, I have a lot of really successful people who, for example, I don't know Sarah Blakely personally, but I love how authentic she is. She shows up exactly as she is in, in the way she does all of her social media. And I've noticed that with the people who are successful, including you, really do show up exactly who they are. And we fall in love with the person. Mm -hmm. And the, you're from, you know, I am my brand. Well, I think it makes life so much easier. Like I'm wearing my friend Brian Bogart's hat because he gives me it. I wear a lot of my friend's clothes because like I buy one to support them. And I think too many times, and, and don't hear I'm not saying, like when I win President Circle Awards and I had to go, I will dress up and wear a suit. I wear, I'd make a joke. I wear a suit once a year when I go to the awards thing because they make me. Besides that, I just, it's just not my thing anymore, but I used to have to dress up all the time. I think the most, the more authentic you can be, 
energetically, you're going to draw the right people, people that you can help, who you can touch, who you can relate with. And I'm not going to probably relate with, well, I shouldn't say that because I do talk to CEOs, CFOs all the time and relate with them great. But here's the key thing. Talk like we're talking right now. I'm going to give you a little tip for networking. I know it's a little bit different, but this is just a networking thing. I've been in rooms with crazy people and I literally talk to them like we're talking right now and I don't fanboy them. And I go up and I ask them how they're doing and it separates it because if you go in and go, I'm your biggest fan, I'm your biggest fan. Now you're the fan and the presenter. But if you go in and so, hey, how are you today? And just ask them a normal question because everyone else in that room has been, I'm your biggest fan. All of a sudden you separate yourself and you're able to get connections that would blow your mind because now they're not looking at you as this guy's trying to sell me or this guy's going to ask me a question or this guy's going to try to get something to fix. No, they're like, this is just a regular dude. Like there's a guy up in Whitefish when I was at a buddy's event that I talked to. No one was talking to him. I'm at the VIP dinner. He's one of the reasons why people paid to go to the VIP dinner. He's just standing there. I go and just talk to him like normal for 30 minutes and made a friendship because they were just too afraid. So don't get too caught up in perceived value. Find the right vibe and tribe that works for you and they'll love you for who you are. Absolutely. I remember I had called one of my coaches because I had done something that I thought she would enjoy. So she signed up for it. And she said, you know, Luis, I so appreciate that you introduced it to me because everybody's so intimidated. I'm the coach. No one invites me to anything. Mm -hmm. And I thought, that's quite interesting because, and the other part was I was talking to her on a Sunday and she had said, there's a couple people in her class that she thinks are going to make it. And I said, what makes you think I'm going to make it? And she said, you're talking to me on a Sunday. How many mm -hmm. people call me on a Sunday? And I thought it didn't even occur to me. <laughs> well, but when you have that authentic connection, we're friends now. It's not the, right. it's not the, I, I'm coaching and I had to be businesslike and I had to put this front on. And, and some of the people on here we've talked to before, I'm not good at putting a front on either. You're going to like me or not, but I'd rather know right up front. Absolutely. So I'm going to open it up to everyone else who took the time to be here and have an opportunity to ask you questions, because I love when we all get together, we all kind of elevate together and it it really does bring up questions that we all benefit from so who would like to be the first one to ask a question hey see how weird you just popped into a different screen on my zoom i was like what happened oh i raised my hand yeah when Got you raise it. your hand and moves them up i didn't know that i have been on uh i have been on uh what do you call it so many masterminds today so like my brain but joe thing because i am new to entrepreneurship i just real quick from a gov i come from the government sector so i've been i deal with local government a lot of attorneys politicians uh community grassroots type people so i it's been really hard for me to transition from a kind of a public service type person as to a, a now my own, I want to start my own business entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. And so, but what I'm finding is some of the stuff that's out there is so much out there <laughs> that really doesn't resonate with me, but you, what you're saying does resonate with me because I have to build communities and 
build bridges with different people from all different walks of life, you know, from the Latino community, from the African-American community, from the Asian community, the elderly, uh, women entrepreneurs. I mean, I, you name it, it's so wide. I don't have a necessary, uh, necessarily a audience, I guess, if I could say that, but I do have so much expertise and knowledge. I just haven't been able to translate that into what looks like a business model type thing and stop people and stop feeling that 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 little defense that goes up oh they're ready to sell me something you know and I, I i can feel i feel it they feel it too so how do you get past that little mm, the defense is like oh they're gonna sell me now you know right. <laughs> you know what's the what let the shoe drop kind of feeling yeah that's a mental thing so you work in the public sector. You've been a public servant for a long time. You know how to help people. When you're framing your sales process, sales journey, help journey, if you don't like the term sales, take it out. You help people get X. So when you're doing a presentation, when you're doing something for them, you help them get X. Now there's a price for X. There's a price if you go to a nice fine dinner and get food, you're expecting to pay for the food because it's going to fill you up. Same thing with you bringing in your coaching, helping people with whatever aspect that is, they should expect to pay for the meal you're providing for them. And I'm not using it that way because I, I love stories. We've been telling stories for thousands of years. It's just how things get sold easier. So if you can reframe that, I would practice asking for a yes for you. Because with what you do right now, you when you get to the, do the sale thing, you probably start to get your palms sweaty, get nervous, get worried, and start thinking, oh, no, now I got to ask. Well, if you just start through your whole process saying, hey, does this make sense? Does this fit for what you're wanting to do? And they give you a yes. And then you re-say again back to them as you're going through. This is what I think would work for you. Does this work good? Great. Then you get to the point as you're doing it, you're asking through the whole thing. You're bringing those walls of reluctance down or closing doors or doubts, like I call it, to where you get to the point where you just say, hey, here's the thing. This is what you said you need. This is what I think it would be. This is the cost for us to work together to do that. Does that make sense? But you've got them to say yes through the whole presentation. So that takes that fear factor away because they've given you 10 or 12 yeses as you talk to them. Now, like to deep dive into what you do, and I know we've been on a few calls, it's a little bit more in depth than that, but just from what you're saying there, that's that's the first key. Getting comfortable with asking them for the sale in different ways will open up the door so that you're able to get more. And then if they say no, just ask them if it's a no now or a no forever. Because if it's a no now, cool, it might be timing, it might be budget, it might be they really want the meal, but they can't do it yet, but in three months, they're going to be positioned to do it. And then just you know, working with them on the human element, because I know you know that part. You're great oh, with yeah. all different groups. So that's not the issue. You just have a mental block in your head that sales is bad, but this isn't sales. This is just problem solving. You're helping your clients meet what their goals are. So they should pay you for that. Yeah, and I and thank you for that. I really appreciate it. And then switching from a W-2 type mentality to an entrepreneurship, mm -hmm. that's another thing where I... You know, and, and I don't want to take all the call, but that's one thing. And I'm pinpointing where my blocks are. And mm -hmm. you are so knowledgeable. Thank you, Joe. I really enjoy watching all of your content and I'm going to continue to follow you. So thank you.
Thank you. I I think shifting in the mindset, and some people on this call would probably be able to answer that better than me because I'm a hybrid. So I still have the day job, plus I coach who I want to coach and I do a podcast. So I'm not going to answer a question that I can't give you the right answer for because I'm not a full-time doing my own business. Like I do both. So that that's, again, 100% authenticity. I will never try to pretend I know an answer to something I don't think I know. Well, thank you, because I am I feel like a hybrid, too, because I'm still a consultant for, you know, city and county positions, mm -hmm. but, but I do eventually want to transition from that type of situation to a true entrepreneur, which I love Louisa's stuff. I, I look at her stuff and I'm like, oh, that's wonderful. You know, I'm like, oh, but, you know, she has to be her and I have to be me. I cannot be another Louisa. I have to be my own person. Yep. I remember so, someone saying to me, you should like really be yourself because it's so great. I said, well, everyone else is taken. So <laughs> <laughs> I really only get to be me, but that's what makes it really fun. Mm -hmm. You know, like I still remember the day I was standing and, and I, like, I remember how long ago this was. My ex-husband and I, at the time we were married, we were looking in the mirror and like brushing our teeth, getting ready for the day. He goes, you know, I'd never hire you. I was like, you know, I'd never work for you. <laughs> that's great <laughs> I haven't had a job like I think I had I did have a job when I was 16 I worked at LA Fitness and it was the only time I had a paycheck like I, I had a job job but mm -hmm. I've never had a job as an adult so I don't even know what it's like to you know have a job yeah. and 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 it really comes with this like incredible amount of freedom once um once you realize that like you're really 100% capable and and i remember when i was you know a kid and i would go and babysit for people if i wanted something i'd go figure out how to get what i wanted by like offering my services it was always like what can i do in order to give you something so i could then get what i want mm -hmm. and and it, it's, it was the same mentality throughout my entire life. If I want something, I'm like, what does it take that I get to give of my skills to then get the things I want? No, I love that. I love that. I call sales entrepreneur light because you have to kill to eat, but you still have the overhead cover for the most part. So that's why I say hybrid. <laughs> but I, I love that. And it kind of has a fun feeling because if you have five kids, you feed five. If you have four kids, you feed four. And so I know a lot of people who are in the same exact industry. And if the person has no kids, they make enough just to pay for their tiny little what life that they have. If they have a ton, a ton of kids, then they, they, they think about college. They think about having a bigger house with more rooms. It, it, time and money is so like made up. We, mm -hmm. we, as soon as you, your intention is of like, here's what I need to make that it's all hundred percent intention, 0% mechanism. Your, your intention is I've got to make this the how to shows up. Yeah. You just reverse engineer it. Do you make 200,000? Well, what do I got to do to make that amount each month? Right. And it's fun because it just is. I've oh, big checks I, are fun. <laughs> I, I, I have no problem with big checks. Like five-figure, six-figure checks are great. I would like them all the time if I can. <laughs> Who else gets wants to jump in? BJ. Hey, can y'all hear me? 
Yes, yep. sir. Yes. Right. Hi, BJ. Uh, hey, hey, guys. How y'all doing? Uh, I'm sitting out in the parking lot of Rosie's, so uh, hope nobody gets me. But uh, Joe, uh, can you give us a story of how you use COVID as as an opportunity for your clients? And uh, and uh, because COVID was bad for a while, but there was opportunities out there that you could capture that your competition wasn't. And uh, can you give us a story of how maybe one of your stories uh, in relation to that? Yeah, actually, COVID was a really good um, thing for my sales thing because it took away the how to put it, it took away the having to be perfect because everyone was on Zooms like we are right now, right? And my daughter would run in because she was doing school stuff. So like I would be talking to CEOs, CFOs. Well, they're sitting on their couch at the same time. So it just made it to where I could be more authentic. We could have the authentic thing. My pug would bark, hey, you know, we're all at home. You can hear my pug bark. I don't have a pug mic blocker. I would literally just use the human element of it. And then because I was in the internet uh, dedicated fiber, I was like, hey, look, man, here's the thing. You need this right now because your business is everything's getting run on the internet. You can't go and hang out and go do this at face to face. So in, in that regard, it worked. But I think for me, it was just using it for the human element. And then they would go and say, oh, yeah, I had this dog. And we'd start talking like more human things instead of just shop. You know what I mean? And so it wasn't just always business. So it brought the guard down and gave it back to that whole like, know, and trust. Because if you know I have a pug, and then I know you have a German Shepherd, and then your grandkid ran through, or my daughter came up and interrupted an important meeting because, well, daddy's home and she's only six, and she doesn't understand why she can't talk to me at that point. It made it to where you could, I think it made us a lot more human. I'm not saying that COVID was good. Don't hear what I'm not saying. But like the connection, I think for a while there, even though we had to do it over Zoom, people were super hungry for connection. Did that answer your question, BJ? Yeah, 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 right. And I'd like to be able to use, uh, I stepped into my genius, if I could, later on. Yeah, you should. I like that, I like that quote. Yeah, all my quotes, I'm sure someone said it before me, and I just have a different spin on it. <laughs> I don't think there's anything new under the sun, my friend. Yeah. Okay. I love BJ's quotes, and I, I, I love the way your brain thinks, BJ. You are such a visionary. You know, earlier, BJ and I were talking, and one of the things that I love about this man is the way he holds space for people, especially women, to show up in his presence. Like, you so empower people that they walk away knowing they could do anything in life. And you really are such a gem. Thank you. Thank you. And that was a great answer, Joe. Like, it, it's so true. It kind of makes me think about like, when people say to me, how, how do you get all these extraordinary people on the podcast? How do you ask them? And I realized those are the people that are sitting in my chair when I'm doing their hair. I see how human they are. You know, they're so normal. All these really extraordinary people are normal when I'm washing their hair and cutting their hair. And I realized that there's, they don't feel any different. And so when we talk to them they want to know that we think that they're as normal as everybody else because they kind of are they they are 100 percent. i think that's the thing people forget they get the they put these people on a pedestal but think about it. we joked about i'm an 18 year overnight success bj with his businesses is an overnight like there was years where we were just normal people i'm still normal people don't know but just doing our thing and all of a sudden well oh 
I won a sales award, so now I'm special. Oh, I did 160 episodes on a podcast. Or, oh, I spoke on the stage. That's just stuff we've done. We're still the same people. And when you touch people and talk to them like we are right now, you win. It opens so many doors. I know I harped on it again, but like you said, then just like it lit up in my head. I'm like, they are. And when you do that, you get the connection because no one else does it. Like you said earlier, your friend was so shocked that you asked her on a Sunday to do something because everyone's always asking her for something instead of asking for something to do for her. So true. I mean, people really want to feel normal. They want to feel included. And, um, and it's really easy to be that way because I mean, I just, it's an opportunity to always connect. And you know, who's really great at that is Joseph Angard. He, him and his questions and his ability to connect and his ability to like, well, I, thank I, you. I love Joe's brain. I could watch his wheels turning. I, <laughs> I, I <laughs> when Joe's thinking, I, I'm like feeling the thoughts. Well, I will say. Um, of course, uh, every, everybody in a sense is a salesperson. And I've always tried to find when I talk to people, what's what they value, what's the most, you know, not the most valuable, but talk about things to get people to talk about what's value to them. Because when you find out what is valuable, what is valuable, valuable to somebody, then you have a truer course to have a conversation because you're talking about something that they value, whether it's a goal, whether it's a, a character, whatever it is. And, and that's a good place to build a relationship with somebody when you find out where their level of values are. And that's anywhere from, you know, like sports, what sports, why do you like, you know, sports teams, what, you know, whatever the conversation is, people will, find it easy to talk about what's valuable to them. And um, that, especially, okay, when, when you engage with strangers or people that you don't have a usual course of dialogue with, you know, it's it's pretty easy to kind of touch people that way. That's my thing for you, Joe. Yeah, no, I love it. To you, Joe, what's valuable to be trusted, right? You want people to trust you. Yeah, I want, yep. Uh, yeah, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Please go ahead. <laughs> no, because when you're selling something, <clears throat> you know, whatever it is, you have to create a sense of trust in yourself so that people will trust you when you're telling them what they need, <laughs> what they want, you know. Um, but, um, and every, and, and you know, and then you're, when you engage with people and you talk about it that way, people think that you care about them and care about what they're saying. And it just makes the experience a lot more valuable. And so that's my secret. That that you should rewind this when you listen to this and, and repeat that one, because that that's huge. Because if you get people to trust you, you win. And, and not in a gimmicky way. So don't hear what I'm not saying. I am very much a only help and sell to people a service or product you can help or sell them with. Never, ever use any NLP, any ideas, any, I'm not into the manipulation or any of that, that aspect, you know, just if I can help you, great. If I can't, great. Now I am going to overcome objections that maybe are holding you back. That's fine. But I want to make sure first and foremost, it's always about you and helping you. 
No, I love that, Joseph. And and uh, especially, and also helps you with with your authenticity, because that that that's another bridge to being trusted. You know, I mean, I, I definitely vibe on that. I mean, I got many years ago got past trying to impress somebody. You know, you just this is it. I love that line about I, I have to be this person because everybody else is taken. I love that line. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We all get stuck with me and I happen to end up really liking me. So it, it's not so bad anymore. And I, you know, what's really fun is when we are authentic, one, it's easy. And two, when we're not, people smell it a mile away. Even, you know, how many times have we been in a situation where someone's selling us BS and we're like this? Mm. All the time we're like, <laughs> right? I mean, it's like, it's so easy to detect that no one's getting away with anything. Even if I might pretend to do this, I'm going to run. Mm -hmm. I, I don't want it. You know, the other day, it was so cool that this, I'm, I'm talking to, have, has anyone played with the Marco Polo app? Oh, it's Marco so Polo. much fun. It's an app on your phone right. where you can actually record like yourself live and saying something and somebody on the other end, you could see they're alive and they're listening to you, but you can't, you're not, it's not FaceTime. So you take a turn to speak and then the other person takes a turn to speak and you're actually sharing. And I thought it was quite interesting because like you're, you're actually actively listening because mm -hmm. you can't interrupt. And it, it really is teaching active listening because, you know, how often are we in a conversation where I say something, the other person's like, oh my God, me too. And then all of a sudden, and I have to share this story. So my client was on a date with a billionaire mm -hmm. and she, she was talking and she interrupted and he put his, this is the first date. He put his finger over her mouth and shushed her. He said, <laughs> <laughs> he shushed her. He said, you have a tendency to interrupt when I'm speaking. And so, you know what is fascinating about human beings? How we could in, in a moment sell ourselves BS on a platter because she said to herself, oh, I must be interrupting and in, in order for me to get better at whatever this is, I should not interrupt. Okay, so if this man was not a billionaire, she would have been like, did you just interrupt me? Perceived <laughs> <laughs> value. <laughs> but he was a billionaire and her brain went into like, fix the moment and, and sell herself BS in order to not react to what he had just done. And so sometimes I find that we pretend to be a certain way in relationships, hoping we could stay that way because we see the brownie points of like the sugar coated stuff that's in the, in the future. But we, no one, no one has been able to maintain that. And then we become ourselves. And then all of a sudden we're like, you're such a jerk. How do you not like me for who I am? Mm -hmm. Well, you didn't show me who you were. You thought you could do these things and keep up, but we can't. So like pretending to be a certain way. So going back to Marco Polo, a friend of mine, and you could buy a portion of it. And it's $120 for the year where you could do voice note. You could do like, you can actually speak into it, but cover it with your picture. And it has all these like perks to it, right? He accidentally bought it and you can gift it to someone. So you share the package. 
he said, I'm so sorry, I accidentally bought it. So I'm going to gift you, you know, part of it. I said, I so appreciate the fact that you told me that you accidentally bought it as opposed to look, Louisa, I'm like, I really just love talking to you on this. I bought it for you. (laughs) And I'm like, right, like BS on a platter. And so I so love authenticity. Like, thank you for letting me know it was totally by accident. And thank you for gifting it to me. But I now appreciate the truth. Mm -hmm. And when people are not telling the truth, we all know it. We all know it. So it's so much more fun. Like I love Joe because from the very first time we connected, he's just like, here's how it is. Like, how can I serve you? How can I give you what I know? How can I benefit you? And so like, I guess one of the other questions I want to ask Joe is, is it ever too much to to like be on different platforms and share so much? Like I have mm-hmm. had people say to me, Louisa, you're kind of annoying to me because like you keep sharing yourself. And I personally don't feel like I do that much, but to her, I was annoying. And then she said, I am triggered because I want to be able to do it too. And I'm not. Mm-hmm. And so how do you know when like, it's too much, it's too little. What's the, what, what, what feels good to you? What feels right to you? Because she said the key in the thing I'm triggered because I can't do this. So she was in the comparison game. You don't have to compare yourself to someone else because you're doing what you're doing and your group, your clients, the people that you deal with like what you do. So really what I tell people is in the beginning, if you're overwhelmed with it, pick one platform and just be consistent there. So you build the the muscle. But if you're in it, like I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook, I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on Threads, I'm on X, I have a YouTube channel, and then I do have a TikTok, but that one's really not much. That's just I throw funny videos up there every once in a while. But I consistently post on the big three every day just because that's that's my pattern. I'll be on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. And a lot of times I'll cross post Facebook and Instagram because it just works. But I don't think there's too much for your right client. Maybe it was too much because what you do is you hit a nerve inside of her that she wants to produce content. She wants to reach out more, but she's not at that level. So instead of being like, hey, Louisa, how do you do that? How are you so consistent? She said, I don't like that you do that because she wasn't willing to take that next step up to do it. I'm just going to shoot it straight. There's no other. Since then she has. And she really just thanked me for like actually keep showing up because it helped her breakthrough. But mm-hmm. the fascinating part is, is like, even one of these moms, I, years ago, I was like, oh my God, everybody keeps talking about how she keeps showing up and it's annoying. Well, now she's a face of Beachbody. Like mm-hmm. what was so annoying is she's a badass now. Yeah. So it's it's really like other people might be uncomfortable because they're not doing it. Well, but most people fail. So you're going to fail one way or the other, but the people that are consistent over time that keep showing up win. My friend Pat Hilton was doing guitars outside of events saying he was going to be an MC, saying he was going to be an MC. He did this for 10 years. He did Grant Cardone's 10X Growth Con. That's a big event. He's done like, I can name drop some other people that just recently he's starting to do because he was so annoying and wouldn't give up on himself, kept showing up, kept leveling up, kept getting better. Because guess what? 
in this space with whatever you're selling or doing, you have to get attention. You have to show up. You have to be there. But if you're authentic, it works. The reason it doesn't work is if you're showing up trying to be perfect and having everything perfect and the perfect light and the perfect stuff, just show up and be you consistently every day. And it doesn't always have to be profound. It just has to be consistent and authentic. Yeah. You know what I noticed is if we do it every day, it gets, a, you know, even you, how many um, podcasts have you done? hundred and what? For my show, I've dropped 161. I've been on 43 other people's shows. Like I did a recording yesterday. Um, that doesn't count groups or stuff like this. This is just like live recordings. But I've probably been on over 200 if you add it all up in the last two years. Because I started this two years ago. Like I was just a sales guy not doing anything. I didn't tell you that part of the story. I was a sales guy making money, doing well. Took my kids to Disney, wife to Hawaii. And I'm like, oh, this is great. And I'm like, people started asking me for help. So I just decided randomly to start a podcast. Like just randomly start one. First 10 episodes sucked, were horrible, but you get better as you go along. Um, but yeah, I just, I'm really good. That's the sales technique too. You just keep showing up and talking to people. And when they need your help, someone will raise a hand. And that's what Jeff Hoffman said too. I love Jeff Hoffman. And he was just like, I have billionaire friends who would fail. Are you smarter than a fifth grader? And they're billionaires because they didn't give up. And I'm like, I have to be very careful how I air here's because I'm not sure who's going to hear this. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's <gonna> true. <laughs> hey, I, you know, yeah. you could be the smartest person, but if you're not consistent, that's one thing that I've learned because I was a public in public service. I, I'm a retired law enforcement officer. So you have to show up. <laughs> and if I don't show up, somebody's going to get hurt or something's going to go sideways or the, it's going to be media fodder either way. And so I love the fact that you said that. To me, that resonates. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Yeah. yeah. I, you know what? A huge takeaway for me, Joe, is the like, when you're on a date, don't speak too much because the other person's going to be so bored. And that mm -hmm. one was like, whoa, because, you know, I love speaking. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's sometimes a little challenging to be like, Louisa, muscle and but, but there is a balance. There is a balance. But like, if I'm trying to get information from you, that's why I use the date analogy. I don't want to over talk. I don't want to do too much. But and it might just be from a guy perspective too, because guys think differently than girls. Cause like, if I get, if I'm selling a lady, I'm just going to call a spade a spade. And I got Joseph laughing. So he knows what I'm going. I'm just going to know my audience. So women like to talk more than men statistically. Like not, now I am in the statistic that I talk more. So I'll, I'll own that. But women typically do. So if you're on a date and you're a guy, here's a great tip. Get her to talk about herself, what she likes to do, where she wants to go, what's her dreams, what's her desires. Why? Because that's going to build connection. Connection is the key there. Like, And don't and, shush her. No, don't shush her. He only was able to shush her because her perceived value of him was greater than it should be. Because someone doing that, that does no, that doesn't work. But then the other thing is that I just thought about this, you mentioned it, is go big. The person that you're afraid to reach out to, that's your target. Reach right. out to them. Wife, one, you've said it before. These people don't get reached out to much. Two, reach out to me as a human. Try to do something that brings them value. And three, don't do it as a fan. Reach out and just, you know, in a way that will benefit them. 
and you have a connection. Worst case scenario, they said no. What if you reached out to 10 people and one said yes, and they got you what you needed? Absolutely. All it is is a numbers game at that point. Absolutely. And it, like humans are just so beautiful. The, that level of connection and creating an opportunity to, to really build on that is, is truly so satisfying. I can't imagine not doing this in life. Like it, it's, it's the ultimate gift. Yeah, hundred percent. Jet, do you, I I see uh, your mic is off. Would you like to ask a question? It's kind of late for her, and she's been working all day. How about you, Tracy or Brian? Hi, Brian. By the way, Joe, do you know Brian? Hi, Lisa. You're gonna love Brian. Nice to meet you, Brian. Nice to meet you too, Joe. Um, yeah, sorry I got here a little bit late. Um, I I had a um, an event tonight and then needed a few minutes after I got home before I uh, could pop on on here. So I missed the uh, uh, majority of the talk. Um, but I do um, agree with um, all of the points that you're making regarding the sales and the uh, stuff regarding Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Um, I also consider those the uh, the three big ones myself. Um, I do a lot of videos and and I have not gotten on threads because I, I post videos on seven different platforms yeah, already. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so including Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Um, but, and also because I, I'm, I'm somebody on the autism spectrum. So I'm pretty open about that. I do a lot of videos about it. Um, so yeah, it, so it could, it could be a bit taxing. And plus also I document a lot of different things I go to in New Jersey. So, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's a little bit about me. And I, I do have a regular job, uh, where I work part-time as well mm -hmm. while I pursue other things. No, I love that. It, it's about what works for you. When I say I do threads, like I post my podcast on threads, I'll put a little bit of thoughts on it. I never was on Twitter X until I got a podcast and literally I just share my podcast on Twitter X, I just ended up meeting some cool people that I had on my show that were on threads. So literally that's how I found some of the people. Like I had Brandy Holloway on my show. She has like 24,000 followers on Instagram. I met her, she made a comment on thread. We just started chit chatting for three or four days. I didn't even know she had that many followers. Like I was like, okay, cool, whatever. Next thing I know, I go to her Facebook page. So I just try to network with what I can. But like you said, you're doing seven different video platforms, dude. That's a lot. That That's a, a whole lot. Like. My podcast goes out to, I don't know, eight to 10 of them, but it does it for me. It's not like I'm going and posting the videos there. I put it up on like Anchor or I think it's called Spotify now and they send it for me. But no, I love that a lot, dude. So you speak on like like the, so what is it? What do, what do you speak on? Because I, I, I heard you, but I want to make sure I heard you correctly. Yeah, I do mostly autism videos. There may be a few times where I break away from that, but 
it's it's mostly the autism stuff that I do, and I I have gotten into incorporating more of the stuff I go to in my videos because I'm used to doing a lot of photos and stuff, but mm -hmm. um, but since I some of this stuff I've been going to uh, like on a yearly basis, um, I and just wanting to show evolution and and also sort of uh, pitch myself in a little bit mm -hmm. um, because I do, I've spoken on a number of different stages, a number of different apps. I met Luisa through Clubhouse and, um, and so that's how I really got connected with the world and felt comfortable with all of that. And my dreams involved being in real life with clubhouse people um, in different capacities like expo centers and things like that. Um, I mean, I don't live on my own, but uh, I am always working to see how I can make certain things happen. No, I love that. I love that. And that message needs to be out there. And I love the documenting because a lot of times people hear something, but if you're documenting your life and how you do things, that's going to touch and affect so many more people because they can see, like you mentioned, the progression of what you're doing and all the different stuff there. So I commend you for that, Brian. Brian hey, thank you so much, Joe. Yeah, definitely, man. When you show up, it really is so powerful because I feel your heart. I feel your connection. Like you're just... You embody connection. And I'm so grateful for you because like, as you show up, what it does is it shows everyone, you know, there should be no excuses. Like fear is so made up. The other day, somebody was like, Louisa, I'm like afraid of this. And she spent half the day being afraid. And I thought, oh my God, do we really sometimes spend the whole day thinking about what we're afraid of? And it's such a form of procrastination. You know, speaking of fear, we're all, we're, we're all, how many people haven't heard the the next, next to dying, um, speaking on stage is the like biggest fear, right? Like next to dying, speaking on stage is the biggest yeah. fear. I have it in my head that speaking on stage has to be the biggest fear in the world. And since I'm not dead, I guess I only have one fear and it's speaking <laughs> on the stage. And so I was about to get interviewed. I'm like, <gasps> I'm scared because like the whole world knows that's scary. I've been told this and I know it like, like if I didn't know it, I got told it. So the whole time I'm like, I'm scared. I'm scared. I'm scared. They get on the stage they put on the microphone and, and all this motion is happening. All I, I like share. And then I leave They're clapping and I take pictures a week later, I'm doing dishes. I'm like sweeping my floor. And I was like, oh, I forgot to be scared. Yep. I like, I wasn't scared. I just like, wasn't scared at all. But I was 100% clear that I was supposed to be scared because we were all told that. Well, there's and, a lot of stuff we're all told. Yeah. It doesn't mean it's right. But like, if we don't go through it and we don't do it, like sales, I mean, how that is like the taboo word. Mm -hmm. That's really why I love you. But I also wanted to like kind of break through the taboo word of sales. You know, like there's that like feeling. Yeah, it will. Like, yeah, I, I think it's that 
and I grew up in the Midwest and sales was taught that way. Like it's bad. The car guy's going to steal your car. This guy's going to take advantage of yada, yada, yada. And if you do the Ziegler method and you're just helping people, I am a, I'm a broken record on this a lot of times, but selling is helping. Selling is bringing someone to a point of decision. That's it. All you're doing is helping them make a decision that's best for them. If you're not the right person, cool. And I think that's the thing. And then the, you mentioned the stage thing, which is funny. This is a stage. I was thinking a little bit before and I'm like, oh crap, I'm gonna have a bunch of people on here. I don't know. And I started getting in my head and like, you know what? I'm just gonna go show up, talk and who I'm supposed to help, I'm gonna help and who I'm not supposed to help, I'm not gonna help. And I think it's just, we get these, I, I wanna say not old wives tales, but stories in our head of, oh, it's this or it's that. And in reality, you were born to be in that moment, Louisa, that that stage that you were on, you were supposed to be on, you stepped into your authenticity, your energy was right, everything was good to go. And you didn't even have to think about being afraid because you were lined up with it. And I think that's the key. Fear is just either fear has been in in our society for a long time to protect us from bad things. Well, now that we're more in a safer society, we make up fear for things that aren't as bad. Like, oh, I'm going to be afraid of this now because we're not having like lions and tigers and stuff attacking us now, you know? So, oh, well, now if I talk in front of someone or whatever. Absolutely. Well, I thought about, I was having this conversation earlier today. I used to not sleep well at night because I would be so afraid of like the things that could happen. I would take myself down the rabbit hole. And then one day I thought about it. Some of my biggest fears actually have happened. Mm -hmm. And And you're still here. You know, still here. And some of the things that I really lost a ton of sleep over, they didn't happen. And the only thing that did happen is I wasted a lot of nights not sleeping. Yeah. And I'm not willing to do that anymore. I'm just not. I'm really not willing to waste any more time, period. Not at night, not for three minutes, not for anything. And so I'm so grateful, truthfully, because there's people like you and Jet and Brian and Tracy and AC in the world and everybody else who was on who are willing to truly be heart-centered, show up, be willing to learn, be willing to ask questions, be willing to connect, be willing to listen, be willing to give. And like, this is truly the world we live in. And I'm not going to collect evidence for anything different. Like it's absolutely beautiful what we have because we created it. And so I'm so grateful for you. I'm so grateful that you were willing to be on with us to share your knowledge, your wisdom, your family time. Like every time someone hops on, the gift of their time is so valuable because you could be with your six-year-old daughter right now, nine-year-old daughter right now. And you could be with your wife. You could be sitting at your dinner table. You could be like watching TV, each, all of us, right? And Mm -hmm. we're here gifting our time to each other because energetically we're all raising each other. And I'm so grateful for that. So thank you. Thank you for having me on. I've, I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. And this is an easy group to talk to. Like I deal with sales weasels all day long. So no, I'm teasing. (laughs) I, you know what? I love my tribe. I am so blessed with the most beautiful people in my life. I literally thank my lucky stars for who's in my life. Me too. I'm with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Have the most beautiful evening, everyone. 
Thank you guys. Thank yeah. you. Good night. Good night. Good night.